Hello and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds and preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. We're glad to have each of you with us today. And on Wednesdays, what we like to do is kind of go back and talk about the sermon. And this past week, Jason had a sermon, kind of the ending of a three-part series he's done about our theme, and our theme this year is finish what was started, and so we talked about the idea of singing. Singing helps us finish what was started. That was a sermon, and it's available on our website. Great lesson to remind ourselves about the value of singing, and we want to talk about that today and kind of look at that aspect. Singing is a, is a very important part of our worship. Uh, we have hymnals that has just all kinds of songs in there, some very old, some pretty new, and they all take us different directions. They, they take us to the Lord. They take us to asking questions about ourselves. They make us think about different things, and all of this kind of takes us back to the sermon about the value and the importance of singing. And so, Jason, let's just walk through that real quickly here. Sure. I have enjoyed our kind of sub-theme for this first quarter of the year, you and I. Of course, our overall theme, finish what was started. This first quarter of the year, we've just looked at a variety of different things that were started by God. Lord willing, in the second quarter, we'll kind of switch gears a little and look at some steps that it takes to finish, but this has been a, a great sandbox to study in, if you will. And so most recently, we looked at how fellowship helps us finish what was started, how the Lord's Supper helps us finish what was started. All of these things, of course, were God's idea. We're invited by His grace to participate in them. Then this past Sunday, how singing helps us finish what was started. I just went back and looked at a couple of Old Testament examples to try and show that singing has been a great help to God's people through the ages, even in some of the hymns that we sing today. We hear referenced every once in a while the Song of Moses. Well, that takes us back to Exodus 15. We can read about what Moses led the children of Israel to seeing after they had triumphantly crossed the waters of the Red Sea and been delivered from Pharaoh and his armies. We went back to 2 Samuel 22, a great song of deliverance given to us by David. The interesting thing about Psalm 2 Samuel 22 is, it is also Psalm 18. It shows up in two different places. And then the last Old Testament example really came from some of our recent daily Bible reading, beginning in Psalm 120. And over the course of the next several Psalms, we have what are labeled above verse one of each one of those as songs of ascent. And almost certainly what those were is something for pilgrims to sing as they were making their way up to Jerusalem for any one of these Jewish feast days. Some of the the, the most comforting and, and encouraging language in all of the Psalms is right there, Psalm 120 and beyond. And so we move from there just to talk about how singing continues to help us 
finish what was started. It, it involves our bodies and our souls. It, it gets us singing with the rest of creation. And of course, from a New Testament point of view, it unites us to each other and of course to God. Well, you, you mentioned in the sermon that there are at least 185 songs in the Bible that are recorded. I think a lot of the Psalms also were sung. Sure. Uh, it's also interesting to me that we don't have any of the tunes. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, we, we sometimes start humming a tune and then we know what the song is. Um, why do you think God did not give us the tunes to sing these? Yeah, that's a great question. I had a, a handful of people afterwards uh, just picking my brain a little about that 185 number. Of course, the vast majority of those are the 150 psalms. But then we've got, for instance, the Song of Moses, that song from David. Even in the New Testament, for instance, probably First Timothy 3, the very end of that chapter where Paul Paul gives us this famous statement in verse 16, great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. And then the next six lines, very end of 1 Timothy 3, are indented. They look a lot like what we see in the Psalms. And there are our English translators trying to help us understand what we're seeing here is poetry. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Many believe more than likely that was one of the earliest Christian hymns, if you will. Now, we don't have the tune (laughs) to the end of 1 Timothy 3, and neither do we have the tune to all of these psalms as they were originally delivered. Of course, God in his infinite wisdom chose to preserve the lyrics not the music. Now, we can speculate here and there as to why that is, but I think the the simplest takeaway from that is, what would be better, to have the lyrics and not the music, or to know exactly how the music sounded, but not have any of the words? Well, you don't have to think about that very long to recognize if we just had the music, well, maybe it is some sort of a catchy or provocative tune, but what would we really get out of that 3,000 years after David lived? Not very much. What we do have is the most substantial help for our spiritual perspective and spiritual encouragement. That's that's the lyrics, and that is probably something we need to think about and remember today. Those of us who periodically lead songs in assemblies of Christians, some things probably get sung because of the tune, and maybe the lyrics aren't as substantial as some others. There are some very catchy tunes out there, right? But we'll probably talk even, Roger, before we're done about how the New Testament calls us to address one another. And we do that with words. The power here, the real transformative power is the words. And that's what's been preserved for us by God. Absolutely. You know, the the tune, we could hum that or whistle that, but 
that's not going to really praise God. That's, that's, just, that's just music. It's the words that honor God. It's the words that make us reflect and the words that make us look in. And, you know, and, and as you just kind of referred to there in Colossians chapter 3, 16, it says, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Well, how do we teach one another? By, by humming? No. We teach by the words. And so when, when, we, when we sing these songs, these hymns, we think about these words, and they, they encourage us, they admonish us, and they teach us, and they remind us, and they praise God through these things. Right. Well, before we get to a couple other thoughts here, I've got to ask you this off the cuff here. Is there any time in our Bibles where we read about Jesus singing? We do know. I mean, the, the example that just immediately comes to my mind is on that occasion where he observes the Passover for the last time with his disciples, right? He is there in Jerusalem, in the upper room, uh, in the observance of that Passover. He draws out two elements. In fact, we talked a little bit about that last Wednesday, right? How the Lord's Supper helps us finish what was started. Jesus took unleavened bread, fruit of the vine, but the gospel writers also tell us that before leaving that upper room, they sang a hymn together. And then, of course, left the city, went over to the Garden of Gethsemane, and things pick up very quickly there. But we do know this was a part of Jesus's life. I mean, it's not hard to imagine at all with a, an understanding of the Old Testament how Jesus and his family and his disciples would sing these songs in the synagogue on their way to Jerusalem, as they're offering these sacrifices to God. This was a part of what it meant to be a first century Jew. And so that, that takes us to this thought here. And that, let's just talk about the value of singing hymns. What, yeah. you know, what, what does a person get out of that? Yeah. Well, it, it reminds me of great truths, right? I, I, I wish that we had had time on Sunday just to slowly read all of the song of Moses. You can do that in Exodus 15 or that song of deliverance from David in 2 Samuel 22. But in the sermon, I just tried to highlight a couple of bullet points. Just listen to a few of these. The Lord is my strength and my song. How much more substantial is that than if I had just hummed a handful of beats, right, to a, a tune of my own choosing? But to be reminded of a truth like, in the greatness of your majesty, Lord, you overthrow your adversaries. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? You have led, you have redeemed, you have guided. When God's people thousands of years ago or even today... We sing together today in the English-speaking uh, world, Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. I am weak, but thou art mighty. Hold me with thy powerful hand. Well, that helps us address God, obviously, but it reminds us, maybe in an assembly of Christians, maybe from a hospital bed, or a nursing home room, it reminds us of who God is. It reminds us that God is there. God cares. God is victorious. And on God's side, we 
will overwhelmingly conquer. I mean, it's one thing to read that passage in Romans chapter 8. It's another thing to have that reinforced in song, especially when we sing those things to each other. Yeah, you know, I think one of the other values of singing hymns is, first of all, you don't need others to do it. Uh, you, you can do it in your car. Uh, you don't have to be great at singing. You don't have to know music uh, to do this. But but you understand the value of these hymns and, and how you're praising God. And so you can just do that. I mean, when you, there's a lot of mindless things we do, whether it's the dishes or mowing the yard or vacuuming. You know, it doesn't take a lot of brain cells to do those things, but they take time. Even driving your car, right. you know, point A to point B. You can just listen to the radio or you can sing some hymns. And as you do that, it's, it's, if you reflect upon that, you're honoring God and you're reminding yourselves of great truths. And that's just a great thing to do. Yeah. I, I know, Roger, you have experienced this. I, um, I, I briefly thought about saying something about this on Sunday morning. I just wasn't sure emotionally, uh, I could, I could verbalize it at the time. How special it is to visit, uh, let's say a 90-year-old saint who is in a nursing home or a care facility, even at times maybe an Alzheimer's unit where they just don't have what they once had physically. They're, they're not able to do what they once were able to do, but there is something about psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs when you sing those for decades, and they become a part of who you are, there is something about, even at a very advanced age, those things stick with you. You may not be able to remember last week, but you remember the lyrics of these songs. That is powerful, and it shows us, I believe, the wisdom of God, the gift from God that singing really is. And, and I think another thing we'd put to this list, if we were making a list, would be uh, singing hymns is something you can do anywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not confined to the church building. We don't have to do it around others. Uh, I knew a man years ago who had this uh, serious medical test. He had to lay still for a long period of time as his body was being scanned. And in his mind, he just started saying hymns. He just started singing <laughs> hymns to himself. I and, love that. And they were done, and they pulled him out and told him it's time to get dressed and go home. He says, well, I'm not done singing. He, <laughs> he had a lot more songs in his head. And, that, and that's just, you know, it, it, was, it was comforting to him to do that. Yeah. It got him through a stressful time. And it's amazing how hymns will change your moods, too. You can, you can be kind of sour, things not going right. And then you start singing these hymns. It puts your eyes on the Lord. And all of a sudden, your mood changes. And yeah. that's that's just a wonderful, wonderful benefit of that. And I think that's one of the values of, of learning how to sing as God wants us to. Let's go to this this psalm part, the songs of ascent. Yeah. And and you mentioned it in your sermon, but let's let's mention it to folks who uh, maybe were not there, didn't get to hear the sermon. Why why do we use that word ascent? What, yeah. what does that mean? Yeah. Well, wherever you were coming from, north, south, east, west, if you were going to Jerusalem, as was the habit of these people, the practice based on the commandments of God, of these people to go to Jerusalem, you would always ascend 
in elevation. Jerusalem is built uh, along a mountain range. It's built on a mountain. In fact, it's surrounded by mountains. And so, if you're following along with our daily Bible reading schedule, today's reading is Psalm 125. And that illustrates it for us perfectly, the first two verses. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. What a beautiful, beautiful thought that, uh, okay, this is something you can see physically. This is what Jerusalem is like, surrounded by mountains. And God, it's kind of like a, a little parable embedded in Psalm 125. Just as Jerusalem is surrounded by mountains, so the Lord surrounds his people. So, so what we have is we have the people of Israel who live outside of Jerusalem, they be coming to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Uh, the law required that of every male at least three times a year. It's, they often came more than that. And so as they're coming, knowing that they're going to worship, we're going to be going to the temple, we're going to be going and, and making sacrifices and doing the stuff in the temple. But as they're getting there, they are singing these songs that get them ready. Right. Now, in, in our modern times today, we would just call this the pregame. That's what they were doing. And the game hasn't started as we think about the football season, but they're out there in the parking lot and they're grilling the burgers and the dogs because they're getting their minds set for that. Right. So, so with that concept, what can we do to help prepare us for worship? You know, a lot of times people just show up, they walk in the church building, and that pregame, that preparation hasn't really taken place. So what are some do's and don'ts you would add to this that would help us as we think about the songs of ascent? Well, I would suggest it even starts the day before, Saturday, right? And if I'm going to stay up and just get a a single handful or maybe less of hours of sleep leading into Sunday, I realize sometimes, of course, with work responsibilities or things like that, maybe some sort of emergency, I don't always have the opportunity to get as much rest as I would have liked. But I'm not really talking about that as much as, well, it's Saturday night and I'm just going to stay up and do whatever I want to do, make it all about me without any reflection on tomorrow is the Lord's day. And I need to be prepared for that. That starts maybe with getting a good night's sleep. Maybe even with the way that I draw Saturday night to a close in prayer or on Sunday morning, even before I get out of bed, taking a moment to pray about my state of mind, about what I expect to be able to share in on this Lord's Day, as we so often say around here, the best day of the week, right? Am I going to wake up with that frame of mind? Am I going to fill my waking hours getting ready with just noise of secular news or sports center or, or, or some mindless sitcom? Or can I spend a little bit of time 
thinking about what I'm going to, discussing together what we're going to do together, even singing together or listening to hymns, recordings. There, there are all sorts of those resources, right? On the drive in. Well, hold on. Let me jump in here okay. just a minute, too. Yeah, please. I'm, I'm still on Saturday. Okay. You're, you're into Sunday. I'm still on Saturday. Yeah. So mom, dad, and the kids, that, that's also oftentimes stressful Sunday morning. Yeah. Can't find that brown shoe. Where's it at? And then where'd he put his Bible? And where's the Bible class book he needs? And there, get everything ready Saturday night. Yeah. Get the outfits laid out. Get to find all the shoes. Get the Bibles lined up. Get, get everything ready to roll. So Sunday morning, it's a smooth transition to what we're doing. Yeah. Now, if you don't do that, and then you're scurrying around, you can't find stuff, you come in all disheveled and you're stressed, it's hard to get in the mood to be worshiping God. It is. So what happens Saturday can determine what happens Sunday. Great start right there. Yeah, yeah. And I would add to that, just as a practical ripple effect of that preparation, make sure as much as depends on you that you get seated and settled and ready before we start. It is awfully hard to sit down and immediately start singing or praying when you have just barely rushed in or even things are already going in the assembly and you're still coming in and getting settled, right? If you want to have the mindset that will get the most and give the most in that assembly, make sure that you allow plenty of time to get there and get settled. Yeah, and you know, that's one thing I really appreciate about so many people at this place. You know, we, you and I get down there real early on Sunday mornings. Our services don't start at 9.30, but about 8 o'clock on, people are starting to come. Yeah. And, I mean, they're just coming, 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 and that's just a wonderful thing to do. It it gets you ready for something that's going to happen. You're going to give something to God, and it gets you in that frame of mind. That's very important. And, I mean, we, we do this in other events. I mean, if you, you don't like to slide in at a wedding just when they're saying their I do's, <laughs> uh, you missed it. You, you need to get there early. And, and that, that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. And I, I would just offer on the back end, you go out to eat to lunch, you, you, you go home and you eat lunch. Spend a little bit of time, I mean, to borrow from what you said earlier, post-game, right? Thinking together, discussing together. What what did you talk about in Bible class? What did What's one thing that stood out to you from the sermon? What was the favorite song that we sang for you? What meant the most to you? Were you able to connect with anybody that you haven't connected with in a while? That's the way we begin to allow the elements of the best day of the week to really settle into our hearts and change who we are for the better. So I'm, I'm going to come to worship. Um, I'm going to make sure I have my Bible. Now, I'm one who believes in the old printed Bible. That's, I'm old-fashioned. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I like seeing people see me with this Bible open. Yeah. Nothing wrong with the tablet, nothing wrong with the phone. But I'm going to have it and have it ready. And, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to make sure everything's there. I'm going to make sure that everything's charged up. I'm going to use electronic. Why? Because I want to follow God's word. Yeah. When word is preached, I want to be able to see it and I want to learn and take notes. And so I'm going to bring a pen and bring a pencil. I'm, I'm coming prepared. That's, that's, that's what we're talking about here. And so as people of Israel was walking up to Jerusalem, they were singing these songs, these songs of ascent. And that just got their minds in a place it should be. 
And so we can do the same thing. We can get our minds in the place it should be by singing hymns in the car as we come. That, that's a wonderful thing to do. You got little ones, just, just do some Bible games together. Just, just get, get the juices flowing in your head that we're thinking spiritual here and to have you know, ideas about the prayer and things like that. Those are all good things to do as we consider these things. Yeah, I would just offer on the technology front, I'm like you, no problem with those things. I would encourage you, turn off those notifications. If you're going to use some sort of an electronic device to to read from God's Word with us, you don't want email and Facebook and Instagram notifications just constantly popping up there at the top. That's about giving God our undivided attention. And if we'll do that, God's way has a way of working on our hearts. And that's what we've tried to explore over the course of the last few weeks. So singing, what a valuable, valuable part of our worship. Uh, we we use these hymns in a lot of different sittings, a lot of different scenarios, a lot of different situations. But they all have a place. And everyone has their favorite hymn. And it's something that means so much to each of us. They teach us and bring us closer to the Lord. Great, great lesson. Again, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Think about these songs in the Bible. They're powerful. They're there for a reason. And they help us connect with our Lord. I appreciate that, Roger. Tonight, of course, we're going to do a little bit of singing together. We're going to pray together. We're going to spend time studying the Bible together. You're going to be leading our adults in the auditorium. What do you have queued up for tonight? We are in our last class, so we have been looking at what was started. And last week, we went through the Reformation movement and the Restoration movement about 500 years and 30 minutes. (laughs) And so tonight, we're going to talk about the Restoration movement in Indiana and hopefully transition to talking about the history of this congregation and some things that we need to learn about that. Interesting. In our Building Blocks track of studies, of course, we're on the back end of our study of Genesis. As a book of beginnings, we'll be in the life of Joseph, talking about the beginning of a plan to save many people from a famine. And so we would love to have you join us for that. Roger, you've been doing a series on Job. I would heartily recommend if you have not watched or listened to that Sunday evening series over the course of the last three Sunday evenings, go back and check that out at charlestownroad.org or on our podcast feed. You're going to flip back and you're going to be preaching for us this Sunday morning. We're going to talk about what matters. What matters when you walk into our church building? And we're going to look at that from the standpoint of the New Testament, and we hope it'll be very helpful for all of us. On Sunday evening, 5 o'clock p.m., I'm going to wade into waters that are not always easy to preach about, not always easy to listen to, not even easy to think about. But as we round off this quarter looking at what was started There's just no way around the fact that the Bible talks about hell. And we just want to look at what the Bible teaches us about that. Why does God teach us about that? Does that still matter in the 21st century? And so some sobering but very important things to think about and study about 
Lord willing, this Sunday. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to this week at Charlestown Road. We would love to see you this evening at 7 o'clock p.m. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week, and we would love to have you come and grow with us. 